Hello there, and welcome to the LAAGO podcast. It's our very first episode. We're very excited about this. My name is Thompson Howell. I am the host. This is not my show. This is not my podcast. This is for uh, the members. And we're going to spend some time uh, each episode having a loosely structured conversation uh, with uh, one of the members of the LA chapter, uh, just to get to know each other a little better and uh, listen to our stories about the organ and how we first came to the organ and fell in love with it and why we uh, stick with it now. We're the very first chapter that has produced a podcast. We're pretty sure about that, but we can get ver- verification from that from our very first guest, Dean of the Los Angeles chapter, Mr. Nelson Dodge. Hi, Nelson. Hello, Thompson. So here we are. Is that true? Or is this, I think, during our research uh, in this project, we, we, we found that this is, we're, we're the first chapter doing a podcast. Do you know if that, can you verify that? I'm not really aware that anyone else is doing this, and given the amount of effort and, and engineering that's gone into getting this started, I'd be surprised if anyone else is right. doing it. Well, we're, we're leading the charge, which is uh, part of what we're going to talk about uh, today. But um, So here we are in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's uh, nearing the middle of July. You are in your home in Sherman Oaks. I am in my home in Toluca Lake. And yet we're talking like this, and it's it's almost like we're in the same room. It's kind of cool. It is cool. Yeah, the technology we've been able to harness to uh, to pull this off is pretty incredible. So why are we doing a podcast? Well, it was your idea. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll take some so credit, I, but, uh, you know, it took— Actually, I do want to acknowledge that uh, when you came on the board last year— uh, this was uh, very early on. You you raised this idea. I thought it sounded intriguing, so I challenged you to run with it, and you have. And uh, it's it's taken us the better part of a year to get to this point. But it's it, been that long. I, wow, it it has almost. Well, we started in in the fall, but yeah. Uh, uh, there you know there was a lot more involved in putting this together than than I imagined. But you've done a fantastic job, and in addition to getting all the equipment assembled to make these things sound really good, uh, I know the original idea was that these these uh, interviews, these conversations, would be done face to face. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we've got complications now, and you've had you've had to add another layer of technology to make this happen, so that. You can sit at home, and I can sit at home, and and uh, have this conversation, and still get uh, really nice results. So, congratulations. Well, well, thank you. Uh, uh, I'll take whatever <laughs> credit I can, but uh, really, it took the, the rest of the the board to agree to it, and um, and to be have a little foresight into you know um, what we're trying to do as a chapter. Uh, to advance the mission of the AGO and and that sort of and how that dovetails into what national AGO is trying to do, and we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, uh, what the national organization is, is is trying to do to to make uh, to bring more value to membership and and how what we're trying to do here locally and with your leadership as dean, um, we're, we're going to talk about a lot of that. Uh, but first, I'm, I want to hear your. Um, your story, your organ story. Uh, we did a little dress rehearsal yesterday, and you sort of referred to your story as a short story. I didn't know if you meant it's very quick or it's uh, a mini novel. <laughs> but, 
But if you could oh. tell us a little bit about how you got started in the organ, I, 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 you know, you're president of Church Keyboard Center, so you sell organs. I know that now. But um, I, how did you? I don't think of you as an organist. I, I do you play? I, I don't know what your background is. <laughs> it's a closely guarded secret. <laughs> <laughs> I yes, I do play, and I uh, was a church organist for about twenty years. Wow. Uh, early on, from about college on until uh, uh, in the early 90s, I uh, went back to school mm. uh, as a full-time, you know, working full-time, going to school uh, at night to get an MBA. And that was a rather large commi- commitment of time. So uh, I, I couldn't handle the part-time organist job, work full-time, and go to school for two years like that. So that's when that's when the, the uh, my my organist career ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I haven't looked back. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I enjoy selling organs and being able to work with so many great organists and, and supporting all you guys and, and, and ladies. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. But to, to, answer, your, to answer your first question, my, uh, my introduction to the organ, uh, I said it was a short story. It's short. Uh, <laughs> I, my, my very earliest uh, memories are of my mother playing organ at church uh, before I was even in school. Huh. And that was actually a, 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 a pump organ or, or a reed organ. A reed organ, sure. Not, not really an organ as we think of it. And, but we soon graduated uh, and, and moved to another ch- a larger church that had a brand new Hammond B3. Hmm. Actually, it was a C3. Now, where, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Southern California? No, no. This was uh, upstate, upstate New York, up in up in the farm country. Oh wow, Adirondack kind of area. Yeah, no, just just yeah, near there. And uh, this this brand new Hammond organ uh, was kind of amazing to me. But uh, the pastor was actually quite a performer. Uh, he played the Hammond style and and uh, very impressive and. <laughs> Uh, but I, you know, I had no, I had no connection with with the keyboard playing. I was just just an, an observer. But then uh, uh, moving moving to Southern California uh, when I was in grade school, uh, we landed in another church that uh, had the same Hammond organ, and uh, I started taking piano lessons and 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 got into it, uh, and was very drawn to the organ very early on. And, and the break for me came when I uh, went into high school in a private high school in Newbury Park that had a small pipe organ. Oh, wow. And I immediately signed up for organ lessons and uh, put in many, many, many hours in, in the chapel playing that organ, much more than uh, I was uh, uh, supposed to. <laughs> but I was, I, I was uh, just really enjoying it. And moved on, started playing for churches. I really, honestly, abandoned organ lessons after that year and just played. Uh, so my my training was largely uh, in the field, in the trenches, working with choirs and pastors and music directors uh, for about twenty years. Wow, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, how I, I I studied when I was younger, but formal lessons I never pursued. Uh, music or, or organ at a, uh, a degree level, college level. Um, we obviously have a lot of colleagues who've got far 
greater musical educations uh, than either of us, which, which keeps me curious, I think, to trying to learn more and uh, find out more as time goes on. So, so great. So here we are. We're doing a podcast in the middle of a pandemic. And like we talked about yesterday, it's, we hadn't really, we're sort of on schedule for when we thought we might be launching it. Um, but it's not because of the pandemic. We've been planning this for a while and all the preparation. But the, the podcast is only uh, one, um, one part of an overall plan, I think, to grow the membership, to uh, bring more value to the membership. And so I'm interested in your thoughts as dean of the chapter. What are your goals? How are what we're trying to do? as an organization locally um, fitting into the national organization uh, and, and what they're trying to do with the, the strategic plan we we're hearing about uh, that is either being implemented now or is about to be. And we right. talked about yesterday during our little dress, dry run, um, you were on the – there was a marketing – national marketing committee a few years back you were part of. Tell, tell us about your work yes. on that and how that sort of dovetails into, into what we're doing now. Sure. The marketing committee started, uh, I think, in 2014. Uh, it was it was a new committee of uh, five members nationally, and was invited to be part of that. Uh, quite by surprise, but I have a marketing background, so uh, somebody found out. And <laughs> but you <didn't> work. <laughs> no, no good deed goes unpunished. Right. So uh, we came together with with. Uh, a very uh, indistinct charter. Uh, we weren't really sure what we were supposed to be doing. So that we the, the early early uh, meetings were really focused on trying to get some clarity and and determine what direction we even were supposed to go. But the the impetus uh, coming from National Council to form the committee was being driven by the. Steady and uh, uh, accelerating, I should say, uh, decline in membership mm. over the past several years. It was, it was becoming uh, rather alarming, actually. So, uh, you know, some people realize, you know, maybe maybe we need to figure out how to uh, market AGO uh, to organists. So that's that's what that's what kicked Were it off. Were you able to identify and, particular reasons why membership? was dropping? Is it just natural attrition well, or, or, or were there other, other reasons? Initially, we really didn't have, we, we had our suspicions, but, but uh, that's not good enough. So once we kind of got our thoughts together, we very quickly came up with the idea that we need to know what's really going on. We need data. Yeah. So uh, we put together a, a survey a rather extensive survey uh, that was conducted online uh, with the membership and also uh, recently uh, depart or, or expired members. And we had about a third of the national membership participate in this survey. It was a massive I said, amount of data. That's pretty good. I mean, return oh, rate yes, is pretty it good. Was over 5,000 participants. So uh, that gave us a very high level of confidence in what the, what the data was showing us. Yeah. And we had some very expert uh, assistance in uh, assembling all of that and analyzing the data, which resulted in a 100-page a report. 
that uh, is is uh, still available for a download from the national website. Uh, it's it's some it's it's an extensive and very deep uh, view into the AGO members and just what what is going on. And that was that was the intent of the whole thing was to understand who are AGO members, uh, what do they do, uh, how does how does their participation uh, as an organist uh, uh, dovetail with their life, et cetera, et cetera. So. Obviously, a hundred pages is a is a lot of information to digest. Yeah. So we we we, we uh, uh, skinnied that down to uh, three, uh, you know, uh, four or five page reports that were published in TAO in the spring of 2016. And you might remember seeing some of that again. It was it was a lot of charts and and uh, data, but. But really, really uh, uh, simplified so that it would be very understandable, and that view of of um, the the whole uh, survey was given to the National Council uh, in uh, early 2015, and then over the course of that year, the marketing committee proceeded based on our our learning from all of that to draft the new mission statement uh, along with with a vision statement and and our values we came up with quite a quite a uh, more extensive document than the previous mission statement was by itself and that new uh, that new mission was adopted in uh, early 2016 yeah. just before the um, before the uh, national convention sure well I, I see I, I don't have it in front of me now I can't quote it word for word but uh um, it seems pretty uh, simple and straightforward, as I recall. It's like, <laughs> here's our mission. It's it, to foster a community of musicians who advance the uh, uh, the pipe organ and its uh, its music. Well, I happen to have it handy, oh, so I'm going to read it. Pre- just pre- prepared. We like <laughs> well, a prepared guest. Well, need to, need to make the point. So the mission of the American Guild of Organists is to foster a thriving community of musicians who share their knowledge and inspire passion for the organ. So yes, as you said, it is. It's simple, uh, it's broad, but it it points the direction that the AGO intends to go. Yeah, and uh, I know there was the information that was published. I think you said in 2016. I was reading uh, some recent issue of, of. I'm always a couple months behind of TAO, the American Organist, the uh, the organization's magazine, and they. Um, there was a, a, a more recent membership survey, a survey that I remember taking online. Was that Part of the same thing, or is that a, a different survey? Actually, yes. Good question. Uh, our work w- once we once the marketing committee had uh, accomplished uh, uh, framing this new mission and all the other uh, uh, supporting ideas that went with that, we were a little exhausted. Yeah, and 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 as we were uh, trying to catch our breath and and determine what the next step uh, should be. A new initiative uh, for strategic planning was uh, starting to take flight, driven uh, by the National Council. Mm-hmm. And so at some point there, we realized uh, they, they launched that, sur- that second survey that, that you remember was really uh, driving the strategic planning effort and project. And 
And we realized that they were on a parallel path and really inspired and, and kicked off by uh, the work that we had done. So we quickly uh, stepped back mm-hmm. and just let that process uh, proceed. Yeah. And and uh, that committee did a great job. Uh, another Again, an intense amount of work uh, working and in the, in the and that time, in, in that case, with a, with a consultant here in Los Angeles. Yeah, I get the impression that it was that project. the work you did at the, the marketing committee. I mean, you sort of uh, got the information, the data you had. The organization looked at it and said, wow, it seems like we need to really spend a lot more time on some of these things. There, uh, we need to sort of redirect our efforts. Of, yeah. yeah, a lot of work to do. So uh, that, that really is, uh, from, from my perspective, uh, that's what needed to happen, and trying to drive strategic change from uh, a, mar- a, a, a subcommittee, as it were, which is what the marketing committee uh, was. Uh, you know, you're, you're trying to make drive change by remote control. Yeah. It doesn't work. So that really did need to be uh, handled at at the top level, and uh, it was. It they they uh, worked that through. Again, it was it was uh, quite a process, but but now the strategic plan document, which is available on the national website, really is uh, where things need to be, and and the ideas and the thinking, uh, and the goals that are that are outlined in there are are really uh, what what needs to be taken to heart uh, at every level of the organization. Yeah. And yeah. That it's not going to be easy. No, uh, I don't think any undertaking like you know you're you're taking this organization that was formed in 1896. You know when um, the world was very different and uh, the the place of the the organ in society I think was different. Um, and and all the challenges that that uh, organists and, and churches um, are and the organ world is facing now. And how how do you address those? In a step, we do this, then we do this, or some things perhaps happen simultaneously. Well, and of course, uh, you know what we're really talking when you when you read through when you take the time and read through these things. Uh, it what you realize is it's cultural change that is needed. It, it, it's changes in the way people think right. and what we assume. Well, here's some and, interesting numbers from the the, sur- the most recent survey, and I remember taking it online. Well, it must have been last last year at some point. Um, mm-hmm. And and again, I read uh, in the TAO the results. Here are the the two things that stick out for me: fifty eight percent of the membership are b- between the ages of sixty and seventy nine. Yes, twelve percent of the membership are under the age of forty. Now right. it seems to me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That were weighted a little uh, heavy at that the uh, the upper end of, of our natural lifespans, and less on, on the lower end. And it seems to me, if we're going to grow as an organization, we have to find a way to encourage newer, younger members to join. Precisely, yeah. And that and that uh, that was that was our suspicion, of course, just just uh, you know anecdotally when the, when the marketing committee started out, but but the survey. Uh, got the hard numbers to show that the demographics were not in the organization's favor. Uh, basically, uh, members are aging out and dying, mm-hmm. and and not being replaced by, by in the in the same uh, numbers with uh, younger members. Now, all of that said, 
uh, I think here in Los Angeles, uh, we have uh, a somewhat skewed perspective on AGO membership, which would not be the only, which would not be the only thing that that uh, Los Angeles probably doesn't people in LA doesn't experience the same way. <laughs> Sunshine gets uh, there. As the, as the, as the rest of the world, but but I think looking at our own at our at the at our at our membership in, in LA, you have to realize is one of the largest chapters in the country. How many are we about? Total uh, just a little a little under three hundred. Three hundred, okay. So uh, this puts us in the top ten chapters, uh, certainly you know up there with uh, other large chapters like New York and Chicago, mm. San Francisco. But uh, so. Given, given the the size of the chapter, I think we've we've got we're uh, it's you know statistically speaking it's it's a good you know it's a good cross section uh, for the area and and I'm I'm actually quite uh, uh, pleased and and proud of the number of younger members that we have and we've we, and we're engaging them the uh, uh, the board our, our executive committee. Now is is a, a little skewed to the younger, yeah, uh, members. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I think uh, we're at the forefront of of uh, shaping uh, what an AGO sh- chapter uh, can be and and might look like. Well, it's good that we're leading the way in that regard. And you mentioned uh, the younger. Uh, Median or average age, or whatever of the uh, of the executive committee now, and uh, our membership core. No, we really is he still Zach Newfeld? Uh, is he still a membership coordinator? He's now on the board, but is he still uh, operating that role? And Zach yes. is in his yes. early to mid thirties. Um, and I remember at one of our meetings, maybe it was in January, when we were talking more seriously about the podcast, he said, uh, "Absolutely, a podcast will help me to attract." Uh, younger members into the organization. Yes, and I think this would this would be a, a perfect moment to to mention that one of the one of the other things that uh, I'm going to talk with you about is uh, the members that we interview uh, for for the podcasts. Uh, I want to make sure that we talk to some of our oldest, yes, and longest absolutely. standing members. Uh, and capture their stories because, uh, in in many cases, uh, uh, some of them are are not able to be active uh, at this at this point. Right. And so we've got all these younger members who don't even know their names. They don't know who these people are. Yeah. And 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 many of them, you know, past deans, uh, other officers, uh, years and years and years of service to the chapter. Uh, but that's bef- shall we say before our time for many of us. Right. So, right. Yeah. I've only so, been a member 10, 12 years, I think. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously recognizes a, a, a long history of the chapter before I just signed up. Yes. So, so in that sense, I think that we, we have a little bit of an issue with what, what I like to call the tribal knowledge. Uh, we were there, there's, we have a little tendency here, I think of, of different generations becoming disconnected and, you know, I go back and look at some of the past deans from thirty or forty years ago, and there's prestigious names. Yeah, it's on a who's list. who of uh, people in the in the organ world and church world, right? And you know, I, and I just think about you know, wow, those are those are uh, big, big, uh, big people to follow. But I didn't even know them. I wasn't I wasn't here then. So yeah, 
I, I didn't I didn't have that opportunity to see them in action and mentor with them and so on. So that's a little bit of what I'm I'm uh, I'm hopeful that these podcasts can help us with to 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 pull some pull some of the history out and and get the younger members uh, more connected yeah. with with our just the you know the legacy that that is here. It's not quite a sidetrack here, but let's talk about Organ Fest. 2020, which is oh, coming yes. up in uh, now. I don't know if this episode of the podcast will be published before that event happens, but let's talk generally about uh, Organ Fest and and because that, that seems to be another way the organization nationally is trying to reach out in lieu of having uh, the national convention, which would have happened in Atlanta this past uh, summer. I think this past week. This past week, yeah, was, I guess it is. Yeah, we're in July when it was supposed to happen. Lost track yeah. of time and. Uh, yes, so the the impetus for the the uh, premier organ fest 2020 is uh, the fact that the national convention was canceled. Yet so much work had been done. Uh, new works were commissioned to be performed, and that's not happening. So, uh, uh, starting a little less than two months ago, uh, again I got invited quite out of the blue to uh, participate on a steering committee to get this thing planned. And uh, in short, it's, it's really, it's, it's a series of uh, five evenings. There'll be a live streamed video, not, not a live performance, but, but a pre-produced uh, video that's live streamed. Mm -hmm. uh, five evenings, Monday through Friday, that will uh, showcase these uh, premiere, these, uh, the premieres uh, with various organists performing all over the world, actually, because some of them are in Europe. So they were recorded there and, and videotaped, and that's what will be in, in the broadcast. This is July, also, Monday, July 20th through Friday the 24th. Is that right? That's right, okay, yes. Good. And uh, also, uh, interspersed through, through the five evenings will be the various uh, parts and pieces of what would normally have been the annual meeting. So various presentations and some awards and, and so on. So uh, it's it's going to be a fun thing. And uh, it, each evening will be a different uh, regional meeting that is being done by Zoom. So the, the regional meetings uh, that that will happen right next to these uh, live stream videos uh, will be live. And I... I think that the West, the Western region meeting is either on Sunday or Monday. Uh, yeah, I, I got an email don't, don't from remember. Matthew Bird about that. Yeah, um, I, yeah. But I didn't. So there, yeah, the the whole the whole thing is being is being well marketed. We're making sure of that. Good, uh, because this this is very different. Uh, it's it's not something uh, members would have, have done before or or would be expecting. So yes, there's a lot of Facebook marketing because, by the way, these these live streams are open. Uh, we're, so we're, we're viewing this as somewhat of a recruitment and and publicity. Yeah, you don't have to be a member to, to view them. They're open to the general public. Exactly. So uh, there's a lot of Facebook marketing uh, uh, going on to attract people to these live streams. And, of course, members are getting the emails to, to let them yeah. know. I, I can only assume it's going to be incredibly successful. Uh, and I say that based on, um, you know, uh, our chapter live streaming of Aaron David Miller's concert yes. uh, at a, uh, out, uh, in San Marino in March, which, you know, 
you and Kevin Cartwright and a few others uh, had a hand in, in, in throwing together in about 24 hours. Um, yes. And uh, talk a little bit about that because we were, we were all a little hesitant about, well, should we do it? Should we do it? not do it? We need to cancel the dinner, but we want to go ahead with the program because and maybe it's an opportunity to uh, bring more people in because, well, you tell the story. Well, yes, it was a it was uh, an awkward uh, moment in time because uh, it wasn't really clear what was going on with the whole viral situation yes, right before and California got shut down. It, a couple it was days. just in the pro yeah. just in the process of getting there, and so things were becoming increasingly uncertain as to what was permissible and or would be, you know, tomorrow or the next day, kind of thing. So, uh, but I was a little bullish, uh, I'll admit. I did not want to just fold, uh, you know, uh, Aaron David Miller was already here. <laughs> he was ready to go. Right. And so we said, okay, we're going to do it, but we're going to be careful. And we were, uh, but we scrambled together the, the live stream uh, with not ever having done that or even thought about it. So uh, we did do a little practice uh, session the day the day before to to make sure things would work, and uh, it yeah we did it with a with an iPhone you, you know using the, just using the, the, the cell phone audio yeah it sounded cell pretty phone good audio I thought it sounded really good I, all things considered I yeah I was I was pretty impressed how good it sounded and and but what what really uh, the surprise the real surprise was the reaction yeah that we got. And people, uh, I, we were just getting comments and I was getting uh, personal emails from people all over uh, thanking us for doing that. People who, uh, non-members, non uh, you know, in, in some cases, but other, but members who, who uh, don't often come to meetings or, or can't. Or weren't able to uh, attend. And certainly weren't able to attend under those circumstances. So, uh the 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 impact that we had with that was uh, surprised me uh, way beyond expectation. So that has actually uh, uh, got us now uh, thinking and talking about how do we continue doing this uh, as we start up the new season in the fall. Yeah. Well, necessity and, is the the mother of invention, isn't that what they say? And <laughs> and, and it's it's kind of funny in, a, in, a, in an odd way that, you know, here we scrambled together this this live stream that was incredibly successful. I remember uh, watching it. Uh, I was I attended, but I was also mm -hmm. watching the live stream and seeing the comments that you mentioned uh, come up yeah. live and, and from all over, not just from L.A., because it was on right. Facebook. You, anyone could, if they stumbled onto it, they could they could find it. We did mark, market it a, a little bit uh, as much as we could. Yes, but um, so yeah. So going forward, this this has really flipped my thinking around uh, from doing this of necessity, uh, which I suspect there's going to continue to be continue to be necessity to do this with with limited gatherings, uh, you know, through the rest of this year. But beyond that, when it's no longer necessary, it it uh, we've already seen that that this is uh, uh, this is a, a a very powerful way, an effective way of connecting with people well beyond uh, the chapter. Yeah, so I, 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 for, for that for that reason, uh, I want to see it continue. Yeah, it should. I think it should 
continue in some fashion, as you said, not because we have to, but because it's a it's a tool we can use um, to expose the AGO to more people uh, and 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 to and and to invite those members who might not be able to attend a particular concert uh, for any number of reasons. Uh, they can still participate. They can still quote be there uh, virtually. Uh, and and we can mm-hmm. multiply the viewership, which is what happened with the Aaron David Miller thing. I think there were about 70 people watching live at any one time, somewhere around there, while it was happening. But then how many views has it gotten now? Probably way more than that. Yeah, good point. I, I haven't looked recently, yeah, but, but yes, but we did have, uh, we probably had the virtual audience or the online audience was twice what the size of the audience in the room yeah. was. And, uh, and then look how the... Uh, you know, that live stream. And then little did we know <laughs> California was going to get shut down. Churches yeah. were going to have to, you know, develop their own. If, if they were going to do uh, services, they were going to have to be virtual services. So every church musician I know is figuring out, you know, on the fly, uh, the technology of how to pull together a virtual service. They started out kind of rudimentary. And then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you and others, uh, I was talking to our our new board member and our friend John West uh, last week, and he was saying, and he works at Hollywood United Methodist Church, which is the big big church uh, here in L.A., right at the corner of Highland and uh, Franklin. And he said, it's amazing the exposure the church has had with their virtual um, their virtual services. I mean, they're they're a pretty big place to begin with, big campus. Yeah. But he says the the number of people who viewed their services, and I'm sure this is true of, of most other churches who are doing virtual services, has been remarkable. Um, it's had a big impact. Well, and, and a lot of churches, uh, so many that I talk to also, because many have been calling me about how to how to get their organ tied into uh, these broadcasts and make it sound good, sure. which is pretty easy to do uh, with a digital organ. Uh but they've all discovered the same thing, that, that their, their reach into the community and beyond their local community uh, is, is, uh, is significant. And I think, uh, from what I'm hearing, a lot of them can, uh, plan to continue uh, live streaming or broadcasting their services going forward. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting, it's just a, it's an interesting time to see all this, all this uh, uh, change in the way we think about these things, but but it goes but it, it works on both sides too because when everybody is is uh, stuck at home or or you know very very hesitant to to be out and about mm-hmm. uh, that forces all of us to to think about how we're doing things and how we're participating and it makes us much more willing to uh, to work with some of these technologies that might might be less than uh, optimal for, you know, we prefer to see people face to face, but, but uh, when you can't, uh, this is pretty good. And I see, yeah, we don't want to encourage people not to come to, to meetings or, or concerts at the same time. Maybe there's a way we'll be, we'll be able to work it out so we can take advantage of the technology to use it either from time to time or uh, to enhance the concert experience somehow. Well, and and you know, and that's a that's that's a fundamental problem that, that the LA chapter has, where we cover a large geography. Yeah. So you know, when we when we do have a meeting, uh, it's convenient for some, but but the majority, it's not convenient yeah. geographically. 
So, and that's not going to change. Uh, we're always, it's always going to be a big spread out place. Right. And, 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 and especially if we uh, have a growing membership, <laughs> nice problem to have, uh, you know, having, have, making, making the programming more accessible uh, online uh, keeps us connected or it, it enables uh, all members to stay connected yeah. and participate regardless of where the, the physical meeting might actually be. Right, yeah. And that, the, the, con- the connection, I think, is part of why we're doing the podcast and we'll undertake some other ventures uh, to bring the membership together. Yes, we're spread out geographically. Um, we can't always be together, especially uh, in these particular times that we're in. Yeah. Um, so I will also, I do have to just uh, add a caveat. Uh, the ability to to be connected and participate, or at least to uh, enjoy uh, the uh, programming that we do virtually uh, should not be thought of as a reason to not maintain and continue your membership. It, it is the membership that makes this it. all possible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, 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 you can sit in your home wherever and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm seeing the people and so forth and so on, hearing the music. Uh, but be a member. Yeah, be a member. Continue. I, I it, renewed it, it, my, it's, what, it, yeah. it's what makes it possible. Yeah, I renewed mine, uh, well, early July 1st was my membership was up. Yeah, you just go to laago.org. Click on membership, and I think uh, that link will take you to uh, either renewing your membership or if you want to become a member for the first time, we highly encourage that as well. Um, so we've had a great – this has been a great conversation. We've been talking for about 45 minutes. I was afraid we'd, we'd be done in 10 almost, um, but not really. But it, not, it, a, it, not a problem. Not a problem at all. <laughs> um, we, we've had a, a good long conversation. So I, I just want to wrap up a little bit. Two more questions. One, one – one, um, this one for you. What's your, what's your overall? Uh, and you can sum it up quickly. Your your message to the membership. You know, state of the the chapter kind of thing. What do you What do you want um, members to to most remember? Not just about this conversation, but about their involvement with the chapter. Well, this is a very a very strange time to be even thinking about uh, what what we are as a chapter. I uh, it has really. It's bothered me that uh, we don't have uh, we don't have good ways to to connect with three hundred members. Uh, it's difficult to stay connected even when we're getting together physically. But now you know we 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 don't we ha- we canceled our last meeting. We're not really sure what's going to happen in the fall yet. Yeah. Uh, we've got the whole summer, which usually uh, is kind of a quiet time. People go traveling, which I don't imagine they'll be doing much this year. Yeah. So uh, I have been really racking my brain to think about what can we do uh, to, to use the chapter as a, as a connecting point for people uh, during this time. So uh, one, of the, one of the ideas that I have uh, that I'm trying to get organized is uh, a, a series of Zoom sessions over the summer that will uh, be open to all, anyone who wants to wants to jump in just to connect and see each other and talk and, and, and be social, which is what we've, what we've been missing since March. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we look forward to hearing how those plans uh, evolve. I mean, we're in mid July now, so hopefully we can, we can pull some things together either later this month or or August. 
not going to be a big formal thing. It's really more informal and 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 just for fun. Yeah. So well, I do a Zoom meeting with my family every couple of weeks. Uh, I, my mom organizes it. She's <laughs> she's seventy nine years old and she's using Zoom like mm. a pro. Um, so I guess to wrap things up, and I, I'm stealing this idea from another podcast uh, I heard just. When I started investigating podcasts, I realized I didn't really listen to any. Um, but a friend of mine does – I think this is where I got the idea. A friend of mine does one that's voiceover related because my primary career is as a, a voice actor in addition to being an organist. And his last question was, hey, guest, do you have any questions for me? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Well uh, – If you don't, that's that's fine. But if you do – Well, actually, yes. Uh what made you think of doing this? I know you, as you said, your your day job is voiceover. Yeah. So you you know you this is what you do. You you talk into a microphone and it sounds great. Uh, and again, congratulations for working out the technology to do this podcast because it the test that I listened to sounded fantastic. Yeah. But what what. Uh, what what did you what were you thinking when you suggested we we do this? So I studied music when I was younger, uh, piano first and then organ. And about halfway through high school, and I studied with uh, uh, back in the Boston area where I grew up. About halfway through high school, I got the acting bug. So I started participating more in theater and things like that in high school, and went on to get my uh, college degree at Northwestern in theater. Um, but I left my, my formal music studies kind of behind. Um, when I moved out to L.A. from Chicago, where I lived for 25 years, uh, in uh, October of 2006, I started getting the organ itch again. I said, you know, I miss doing that. I miss practicing. All I wanted to do was practice for myself. You know what I mean? Um, so I found a, a church nearby where I lived, and, and we agreed to some practice time. I said, well, you might want to fill in uh, for, you know, for our main organist over the summer. Um, and so I started getting involved that way, and they realized, oh, he's pretty good. Maybe we can bring him on. So this is uh, this is when I met John West, our friend John, mm -hmm. at uh, St. Thomas the Apostle. This is 10, a little more, no, just uh, almost 11 years ago, I think. And I, I ended up becoming assistant organist. Anyway, that led to a lot of other things. Uh, what I've realized more recently is that um, it is uh, hard for me to have a regular church job because voiceover takes so much time. So I do a lot of filling in. I sort of have a niche as a, as a fill-in person. But my, I got on the board and I realized I have a passion for this thing and I realized the organ is, I want to say struggling. I mean, it seems like fewer and fewer churches are, some are just discarding their organs and going doing praise band. Some don't use the organ very much at all. I think there's a perception that now, maybe it's because the organ is so closely associated with religion that people don't want to deal with, an or with the organ. I don't know, but I wanted to try and find a way to not see it go away, <laughs> you know, uh, with fewer and fewer uh, organ majors, I think, uh, enrolling in music schools every year. And, and figure out what can I do to bring in um, new members. And as we've seen from these statistics we talked about earlier, if, if, if our organization is 12% or under 40, we need to, that number needs to grow. Um, and, and that number will only grow if the organ is a, uh, a viable thing in, in the lives uh, of people. So, um, and, I, and I figured the podcast is, as we talked earlier, is a, is a way to 
make the connections, to hear the stories of the members, and to uh, hopefully in a way that can engage younger people who are either currently organists or not members. Well, let's let's interview some some young organists and some students and find out what uh, what they're thinking and why they're even pursuing that. Absolutely, because we do have them, and uh, I'd love to hear those stories. Yeah, I would too. And it's, you know, are you a member of the AGO? Or if you're not, why not? Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. And I might drag Zach and Zach Newfeld in here for his thoughts on, on all that at some point. But uh, yeah, the podcast is, is a tool. And I think the more we hear uh, uh, our collective stories, there's going to be a lot of a similar through line, you know. The, the passion for the organ when we first heard one and went, wow, that's kind of cool. I want to mm-hmm. find out more about that. And then I want to start learning how to play that and use all these buttons and keys <laughs> and pedals and, and switches and stuff. Um, uh, so anyway, thanks. We, we finally got our uh, first episode out here. Thanks for, uh, for agreeing to come on. It only makes sense. You're the dean of the chapter. You should be the first guest. And now we've sort of laid out why we're doing what we're doing. And there's plans to do a lot more. And uh, we lo- I'm looking forward to Organ Fest in a couple, week and a half, whatever it is, coming up here. Um, and uh, thanks for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. The LAAGO podcast is produced by the Los Angeles chapter of the American Guild of Organists. Every episode is available on the chapter website at laago.org or by subscription wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure we have your email address so we can notify you when new episodes become available. Just click on Contact Us on the website and send us a message. You can also sign up for an account that'll give you access to both the membership directory and the jobs list. Our thanks to Carson Kuman for letting us use his performance of late longtime chapter member Wilbur Held's Air as our theme music. I'm Thompson Howell. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.